listening to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have not, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid. They are not perfect. We believe that the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1:17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. You're listening to episode 109 with Kim Jones Morrison. Oh, she's so much fun. And it is our first episode of 2023. Happy Happy New Year! Year. We're so excited (laughs) for another year. Uh, I'm getting over laryngitis, so I have a little bit of a husky sound today. She's got the great DJ voice for sure. (laughs) A little bit of Barry White in here. Um, And we are so happy Kim is on Afraid Not. I go way back with Kim all the way to our freshman year at OBU. We graduated together and we just have so many sweet memories together. We were both in a sorority club called Theta Sigma Chi together and had lots of sweet, sweet memories, laughter, and fun times. She's just an absolute gem, sharing today a really difficult story with us. So imagine going to doctors, all kinds of different doctors, and all of them just saying, we don't know. We don't know what's wrong. We don't know how to fix it. Here's maybe something, maybe a solution. Maybe try this surgery, maybe try this, but we don't know for years until you finally get an answer. And that's where Kim is going to be taking us today. So listen in. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking time out of a very full season with all kinds of busy things going on as we're recording this before Christmas. And listeners, you're hearing this after like the four new days year. Before Christmas. Well, that's right. Very yeah. close. So listeners, happy new year to you, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. And we're so glad you're listening into this amazing story. We're grateful that Kim took time to meet with us today. And I have loved Kim Jones Morrison for as long as I've known her since we were both freshmen at Oklahoma Baptist University back in the fall of 1991, friends. <laughs> and what, what? Just a few years ago. Just, you know, <laughs> we slept a few winks since then. Um, yeah, we both haven't changed at all, right? Not at all. Um, yeah, just kidding. But um, it's just a sweet friendship that I am, it's one of many friendships that I'm so grateful for from OBU. Um, and Kim and I, one of my favorite memories with Kim is our junior year going snow skiing with a group of six friends and we had the best time and we made dinner each other for each other at night. So we played games and oh my goodness, it was one of my best college memories for sure. We wore matching boxer shorts and to ski. We did. Uh, for long- <laughs> It was definitely warm. I mean, I don't remember freezing, but we were, yeah, skiing in long underwear and plaid boxer shorts is, (laughs) again, not something I do now. 
No, <laughs> the things that we did in college, dot, dot, dot. That's a young person's game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, well, um, would you introduce yourself to our listeners today, Kim? So um, I'm Kim Morrison, live in Waco, Texas. Um, I have four kids, my husband and Randy, and I met at OBU, and we've been married for 27 years. Um, I am a very strong extrovert. Um, I'm an Enneagram seven. Me too. So, oh, are you? Hey. <laughs> <It's seconds. Yeah. laughs> um, so I really, I love doing a lot of things. I love learning about new things. If you know, when gardening was in and COVID, I had a garden back in the day, I used to scrapbook all the things, you know, love to cook, love to do all the fun things. So, um, lots of many interests. I'm a Christian. I've and would say a church girl, you know, like that's a big part of my life growing up in the church. Mm-hmm. So those are, those are kind of some of my, my, oh, and I, I work at a um, live at classical school, which is where my kids went to school. My, my baby is a senior this year. Wow. So uh, I do admissions and enrollment. So I tour families and visit with the public and get to um, meet kiddos and families and help them through the admission process. And I really, really do love that. And that school's right there in Waco? It is. Right across the street from Baylor, across I-35. I love it. Right the silos. Oh, my goodness. Do Chip and Joanna Gaines ever come in and say hello to you? They don't these days. <laughs> years ago, but they don't really come by much. <laughs> well, I'm. we're fans of Chip and Joanna Gaines for sure. <laughs> oh, well, um, would you like to start with just telling us how you met the Lord? Tell us about that um, sweet story. Just really as a child, around eight years old, um, my friends were being baptized. They were all kind of, you know, making decisions to know the Lord. And I said, told my mom I wanted to do the same thing. And she made an appointment for me with my pastor. And he just very, very clearly showed me. He, did his, he had a little book and he did his hands like a sandwich. And said, because of our sin, we cannot get to God. And it just really kind of clicked. And it's funny. I remember other people sharing the gospel with me before that. And I guess it just didn't click. (laughs) Um, But it just, the Lord, you know, showed me himself and um, has been gracious and good good to me ever since. Mm -hmm. So did you grow up in Oklahoma? No, in Fort Worth, Texas. So what, what took you to OBU? friends connections of of loving it people from our church who had gone there and now my daughter is there she's about to graduate from OBU and she's loved it oh that's so fun it's so fun oh yeah and um I think that she has gotten to interact little bits with my youngest Maggie who is a freshman oh good yes they were actually both at the bridal shower for Melanie's son and future daughter-in-law, our dear friend, Melanie Cates. So it's just yeah. connections, connections and sweet little things that were like, oh my goodness, who would have known, <laughs> you know, so many that our children would be friends with each other and going to baby showers for each other. What? <laughs> <laughs> so um, why don't you share a little bit about your afraid not and what you want to share with us today? So 
Back in 2009, I was wrapping up my days as a stay-at-home mom. I knew my youngest was about ready to start school and kind of thinking what's next for me. I did have an RN degree from, from OBU, and, um, but I really hadn't kept my license up. So I really wasn't, you know, super interested in that. But um, I, I started experiencing this pain in my shoulder and it didn't seem to make a lot of sense. Like I could do big things with my shoulder and move and it not hurt. But when I would write and take notes, um, which I didn't do very often as a stay-at-home mom, but I would find myself thinking, oh man, my hand is cramping. I, I, I haven't written in a while or man, that hurts. And so as I started the process with doctors and things, it was just kind of a mystery. You know, they just kind of kept saying, hmm. I don't really know. And um, so it's just a really, really long um, eight years of trying to figure out. And you were really young for this, right? Very young. Mm -hmm. 36 at yeah. that age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this went on for a while. So right, that went on for a while. And then so about a year later, I, I landed in at the sports medicine for the shoulder guy. Everyone said, he's the guy, he's the, the shoulders, go see what, you know, go see what he says. And he was like, okay, this has been a long year. One year is too long for this much pain. Let me go in and do surgery and see what's going on. I thought, yes, you know, this has been a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm over this. <laughs> and uh, so he went in, he didn't know he did an exploratory surgery. And he just said, it kind of looked loose. I didn't find ma many major things. And he tightened it up. Did you play sports growing up? Is that why you went to the sports medicine doctor? Oh, no, no. Um, I did play a little bit like basketball and things like that. I was never a major athlete. <laughs> um, the last time I would have played would be junior high. Um, but no, it's just that's that's where the where everyone said to go for the for shoulder things. So. Gotcha. But so then, he, he just tightened it up and then what happened? So I started, had more physical therapy because it was that surgery that put me in a big um, sling, that isolation. I don't know if you've seen somebody who's had rotator cuffs mm -hmm. and you had that big spacer and it's, you know, around your neck. And that was just really miserable for six weeks. You have to wear that sling. It's been so cumbersome. It really was. It was awful. And in fact, a friend had already invited me to Singapore to go see her. And so I went to Singapore and back in the sling. Oh my goodness. Oh, but um, anyway, but like, so just coming out of the end of that year, I just really thought we were done. I had some physical therapy and I went faithfully and that was going to help and we were going to, you know, get cured. And then I also did a Bible study right around that time of David Platt teaching Job. And I remember sitting there thinking, uh, well, there was a guy in the Bible study who would say, Oh, all this suffering, you know, I mean, everything's, everything's for a season. Suffering's all for a season. It'll, it'll, we can go through anything for a while. And I would just kind of sit there and think, but what if there's not an ending? What if there's not a season? And so as I'm thinking, oh, this pain is about to, you know, I'm, I'm about, I'm almost over with this season of suffering. Mm -hmm. I was like, Lord, I'm not up for long-term. If this is something else than I thought it was. I'm not up for that. This better be it. <laughs> you know, like, I couldn't, and I was finding it hard to use my right hand. And so like chopping vegetables, you know, get, get, cooking dinner, all those things were just becoming a hindrance or a nuisance and, and aching. And so I was like, oh, I can't do that for, for much longer, you know, but I could tell God what I wanted, but 
nonetheless, right, that's what are it you right-handed? I am. So that made it even harder. Yeah. And so then it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't, I'm not getting better. I'm not, you know, feeling any relief. Um, I just kind of keep going on to doctors and going on to the alternative medicine. And so like what I found is the doctors would look at me and just say, I don't know. I don't know what it is and shake their head. But nobody was saying, let me help you find something. They would just kind of say, I think it may be stress. And I was like, I don't think so. So then I would start meeting with other um, alternative practitioners who kind of had like a, um, a theory of if I manipulate your back this way, you will feel better. Or this massage is the way to go. Or let me do this. And this is what you need. You know, I'll just rub you with this machine and you'll be better. <laughs> and so I, but those people believe in what they're doing and they think they have the way and it tends to be expensive with so much money open you know, out of pocket, that's not insurance. Right. It's hard to know which way to go. It was really hard to know, you know, to keep trying to keep investing in those things that are typically slow. They really don't know if I have what I have either, but they're all trying to be helpful. Whereas the traditional, the doctors, the regular, you know, Western medicine doctors are just not really having many offers either. I hadn't really thought about how at all of the as this was unfolding, as you were living it, the financial part of it, which it pales in comparison how you feel and your health and you know your life, but the financial part of it must have been incredibly frustrating. I mean, you and Randy are raising your four kids. Life's going and going. It's not free and money does not grow on trees. That must have been a really difficult aspect of your whole you know, story. It really, really is. So like one way, when you kind of think about that, like if it was your child, you would spend whatever it took, right? Right. Yes. If you have the money, you'd sell something to get the money. Yes. And so you kind of get in this rhythm of like, okay, well, if $5,000 helps me feel better, let's fork it over. Let's find it and help that. You know, so whatever it is, you just kind of are in this, at the end, you're like, well, it's $300 or $3,000. I don't have it. Right. You know? yeah. So, so yes, that is a big part of all of the, all of the stress, but the Lord kept providing and, and kept giving us what we needed. So as the pain kept going, one of the things that people kept offering as a solution is possibly something called thoracic outlet syndrome, which is um, where you have nerves that run over under your rib cage around your shoulder bone. So under your collarbone and above your rib are these major, you know, uh, nerves and muscles and all of that. And if it gets pinched, that's what can hinder the use of your arm and cause problems. But it's just a really bad surgery, even done well. It's a really, really miserable surgery. And um, it's something baseball pitchers tend to get. And that's, you know, they often don't recover from it. And so I was really hesitant to do that. So, but I ended up in Dallas with a doctor who did a very quick um, evaluation. It was like, yeah, I think that's what you have. But it also was kind of the surgery du jour, you know, like where it's kind of the new thing and everyone's right. talking about everything. That's what you need. Yeah. And I just wasn't sure. I just didn't know. So, so I ended up doing more different, different things for a while waiting, you know, just not wanting to have that. And seeing different people and different, all the different um, 
suggestions because people would say, oh, I've got this person you need to talk to or, oh, this lady just totally helped me so much. So we'd try that route for a little bit. And so then I ended up in Houston um, in right as I was about to turn 40. I went to a doctor in Houston and he did a very, very big thorough evaluation and said, I really do think you have thoracic outlet syndrome and I really think surgery would help. So I spent my 40th birthday in the hospital in ICU and, um, and you know, you just kind of think like, why did I wait so long to do this? If this is going to help me. But then I remember swinging my um, feet over the side of the bed as I had a pick line. I was on two medicines because my blood pressure was dropping low. And I was like, this is why I waited. <laughs> this is why I didn't want to do this. It's, this. it's just a hard, hard surgery. And it was a hard recovery. So Houston is four hours away. The kids had to be with grandparents up in Oklahoma. It was Thanksgiving. It was a lot going on. But I kept thinking this has to be the answer. We finally found it. Now we're healing. Now we're on the road. Um, and I had more physical therapy ahead of me. And um, I, I just really wasn't seeing the recovery I thought I'd feel. And a big moment was I finally got back to Zumba. I love Zumba. <laughs> Jill's it a was, certified Zumba instructor. Well, I used to be. I've let it lapse. But... <laughs> So you got back to Zumba. That must have been fun. It was. And then, but I would realize like, oh, my, my right foot, like forgot the steps. You know, I thought, oh, I've lost my coordination. What's going on? And then as I finally realized, I just, my right side wasn't moving like it should be. So it was all uh -huh. happening on your right side. The uh -huh. left side was fine. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So yes, in all of the, the seeing different practitioners, um, a good friend of mine at work said, Kim, you know, I'd be talking and talking with my hands. And she said, you're not moving your right hand. You're really not. And I was like, I know. And at this point, had it been like maybe five years of you having symptoms and problems and let's figure this out at about five years of five or six years. Yeah. By then. Yeah. Which is, is a long time to be in chronic pain and, and mm -hmm. not know. Yeah. So hard. And you're a mom every day of that and you're trying to be a great wife every day of that and you're getting groceries and doing laundry and life doesn't work. stop yeah yeah well and so you mentioned work Jill one of the important things is that the pain did start before I started my job and that was a that sounds weird to think of that as a good thing to know that but needing I needed to know that it wasn't being at my desk and what I was doing that was causing it Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So otherwise it would have been like, well, you need to, you know, change this or change that. So I knew it was something that was happening before that. So I am thankful for that piece. Yeah. Otherwise you would have thought maybe I need a standing desk. Maybe I need to quit my job. Maybe. Yeah. So right. take us back to your realization. Here I am at Zumba and my body's not right. It's just not working the way I wanted it to work or expected. I was still thinking I'm just not, it's just more, more of a coordination thing. I was still not thinking of anything systemic. I'm just kind of like, oh, we need to figure out this. I'll ask my physical therapist the next time I'm there. Um, but it was a friend who really insisted I go see somebody who helped her. And um, when I got there, she started to take a history and I said, you know, I'm having trouble with my right foot. 
And she said, you have foot drop? I'm like, well, I mean, I guess, I don't know. And she said, promise me you will go see a neurologist. That is not right. That is not right. So I really did. I made that appointment um, and I got into a neurologist and he did a very, again, a very good exam. By now I know what to do. I know to put my hands down, pull my hands up, <laughs> push here, push there, because I've done it so many times. And um, he even said, you do not look like a Parkinson's patient. You know, ALS is the other big neurology. ALS, Parkinson's, and, Ar and Alzheimer's are the big three that are the most common. And he said, you don't look like that. So he wasn't really sure, but he sent me on to a specialist in Houston. And when I finally got down to the specialist is when they had asked all the right questions and they knew exactly what to ask. And and we're very sure it was Parkinson's. Hmm. What was that like? It takes a while for it to sink in, mm -hmm. of course. Um, yeah, the, the word I use, the word I always use is gut punch. Right. And that was a front. It just really felt that the air kind of went out of me. I'm a crier. So lots of tears. But just, uh, it's, but it still continues to be a slow understanding of what that really means. Yeah. Is this anything that runs in your family or neurological things run in your family? Nothing like that. Not at all. And it's so rare to see Parkinson's in someone at your age, right? Weren't they Very. surprised? Mm -hmm. Very. And females, it's more common in males than females. What did that Houston doctor advise you to do? Oh, he was, um, he, there is medication. And so he just, you know, was like, we'll start medication right away. There are things we can do. Um, he was very matter of fact, you know, like this is all okay. Bye-bye. Gave me some pamphlets. And, you know, I said, so I had thoracic outlet surgery. I said, I had thoracic outlet syndrome and Parkinson's. He said, no, you probably did not need that surgery. That was all. Uh, yeah. Right. That's like yeah. finding out you had the wrong foot surgery done or something like mm -hmm. you do the whole thing and they're like, oh, sorry, it was the other foot. Oh, you know, yeah, that's so awful. I'm so sorry, Kim. Oh, um, I feel that scar tissue. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh. So like for the doctor, he's probably used to seeing this every day. It's just. Uh -huh wrote whatever so he's just like here's your medicine this is what it is on your way but for that patient that like you said that's a gut punch I yeah. wish it had been a compassionate moment it doesn't sound like it was very compassionate now thankfully Randy was with me and he was wonderful he yeah. really was oh yeah. I don't doubt it well what <laughs> happened after your next step what what did you do next so I, there's a, they call it a honeymoon period. So once you start the medication, you tend to feel so much better that it, there is a little bit of a, you know, lightning, like a little bit of a, whew, you know, I, I'm, I can live again. And then it kind of does taper off and there's a, just a rhythm you get into of getting used to taking the medicine and getting used to doing the things we need to do. And and the realization of what all comes with it. And they're even really still finding pieces of Parkinson's. And it's 
when they say when you see one person with Parkinson's, you've you've seen one person with Parkinson's. Like we right. all have different kinds of symptoms and all different. I I still don't have a tremor. Oh, okay. I really don't, and that is when my leg will my leg will kind of get going. I call it my tell, you know, like it'll, it'll, if I get nervous, it'll kind of start bouncing and shaking. But in general, I don't have much of a tremor. Cause we tend to think of like Michael J. Fox and his tremors on TV or whatever, when he got Parkinson's. So, but that's not what yours looks like. No, but if you see him now where he has all that different movement, you know, like he's been taking medicine for a while. Those are really the advanced stages. Mm. and I can get some of those if I if I get too much medicine in my system I can get that jiggly feeling I call it feeling jicky (laughs) so did you have another surgery following this news in attempting to do corrections and helps to you well it's I had the deep brain stimulation surgery just in 2019 yes tell us about that deep brain stimulation surgery so it's where they put probes in my brain that hit the dopamine receptor. So it's like pretending my brain is getting dopamine and you're awake for that surgery. Wow. So it's like four with your head open awake. Wow. You and said four hours. Mm-hmm. Oh. I was fastest. It's four to five. Oh, wow. So I have a battery pack and I just recharge it every few days. I say, mom's going to go. Recharge her batteries. <laughs> <laughs> it's for real. <laughs> yeah. And then um, it helps my, keep my medication a little bit more stable. The hope was to not have as much medicine, but I really do have the same, but I haven't increased since I've had surgery. So the, the numbers tell us that I should have 10 to 15 good years with this device, and then it will wear out, and I'll just kind of go back to doing medication after that. So I kind of got to choose which, which years, which 10 to 15 years, I'm hoping this is the season of weddings and grandbabies and all that sort of thing Mm -hmm. that I'll feel good for these few years. Mm -hmm. So, so is that something they can do again later or no, 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 that's, it's done, but they, they do have hope that it really is only 10 to 15 years because that's all the research we have. It could last a little bit longer, but no. So So what are some of the ways that as you've walked this, that God has met you in the midst of your emotions, of your very real and raw times when you were not saying it is well with my soul? Because I'm sure you've had moments where you're saying no, Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about some of those times? So one of the biggest blessings I've had through this is early on when I, when we didn't know what anything was going on and all the kids were home, Randy just happened to say, what can I do? Is there anything I can do to help you? And I said, I think I need you to take the kids and let me have the house to myself and just let me cry, like literally cry out to the Lord and just have, have a little bit of time. And so that gift, I did that. And that gift was that the Lord said, I'm, I love you. I'm here with you. I'm for you. And so I feel like I've had that voice through this journey, which has been just the greatest gift because his, that nearness 
is what I didn't really know before. Is that sweet, sweet nearness of Jesus. And even early on in those times of thinking, oh, this is it, you know, here I am. I finished one year of bad pain. Let's move on. I remember thinking, but Lord, wait, if this is what keeps you near, don't take it. Don't ease it. I don't want the comfort of being able to use my right hand and and live easily if it's sacrificing the sweetness I've had of you being near me lately. Wow. Wow. And so I have really experienced that. And it just, yeah, it's just amazing and a gift. Yeah. And to see it in that light shows such a, I mean, that's the Holy Spirit work in your heart that you're able to even see what a gift that is and that you're not bitter, but that you're instead saying, this is, this is a sweetness. I wouldn't trade. And that's, that's what, have you seen the chosen season three yet? There's one scene and this may be spoiler alert. Uh Spoiler alert listeners. There's one scene with uh, little James disciple where Jesus has told him that he's going to go heal people. And he's like, how can I heal people? You haven't even healed me yet. Cause in the show, he's got some kind of walking disorder and the conversation Jesus has with him of like, but you can handle this. Like your story, you're going to be healing people, even though you're not healed. And that's your story. And not everybody can handle this, but I know you can. And I know you're going to have this journey and the story that other people maybe couldn't take, but it's going to draw you closer to me. And it was just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's neat. I know I wish everybody could know I'm realizing through this journey, I think so many Christians don't know how much Jesus loves them. Of course, lost people don't, but I also feel like that in the church. And so if we are facing struggles and we have a wrong view of God and we think he's out to punish us or he doesn't love me or whatever that might be, we're interpreting all those things through that lens. Mm -hmm. But to know that he loves us and is for us, that makes all the difference. Yes. Tell us some of your favorite little snapshot moments and they may be tiny, but I sometimes think the tiny things are just as meaningful, but what are some of those little moments through the past, you know, 14, 15 years of going through this, that you've been like, Oh my goodness, that was so kind of God. That Mm -hmm. moment, that song, that conversation. He showed me that scripture. He answered this prayer. He gave us this hundred dollars or whatever. What are some of your moments that you're like, thank you, God? Well, there were quite a few of those. Somebody gave me money. And one of them was at the time that I needed to have a procedure. There's something called a DAT scan that scans your brain to see what, how much dopamine is in there. And it's really what the doctors use to determine if you have Parkinson's or essential tremors because the symptoms look the same, but the cause is different in your brain. Um, And so that is being so young, it was really nice to be able to have that data and say, this is really what's going on in your brain, but it really wasn't super necessary medically, but somebody gave me the money to get that done. And that was a huge answer to prayer. So does Parkinson's have to do with the dopamine in your brain? Yes. Yes, it's a, we're low dopamine. And so that's low 
in mood, low in, you know. But it's different. Um, it's general depression is a different thing. All those things. Mm -hmm. yeah. All that's affected. Anything else you wanted to share about those little moments of of God's love being so seen and felt? Um, I, I, one of the verses I tried to memorize when I was doing yoga was Psalm 86. And just because I wanted to have something in my mind for those quiet times and that meditation. And so he has just really poured out. That's one of the scriptures he's really poured out. Um, I think even the fact that I was exercising before I knew I had Parkinson's, which is the very best thing you can do is exercise. And so even already having those kinds of things built into my life felt like the Lord saw was preparing me for that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Sweet, sweet friends who would come alongside me at work when they saw us having a hard time typing. They're like, let me do that for you. And just things I could never never repay all the people who loved on us and your job now is really what a gift from god that you're doing a job that you're you're able to do lots of wonderful and meaningful things for your school that you're not hindered in right well a little bit it like the the, the general office work is a you know a, a struggle or a challenge but for the most part, touring families, what I'm really the best part of my job, I'm able to do, but, you know, pretty much, pretty, pretty much um, as I did before. Mm -hmm. But even as you're hearing, like, as I'm stammering a little bit and stuttering, that's kind of being a little bit more, that's developing just as of late. And I'm struggling with that. It's embarrassing. It's hard when you see people's faces as you're talking and they're kind of starting to get worried for you. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's uncomfortable. What other resources and verses do you have that helped you get through all this or that are helping you currently? Yes. One of the books that I am loving is Tish Harrison Warren, Prayer in the Night. That has really, really been an amazing resource of thinking through the problem of pain and the practices of prayer and other disciplines. Um, learning how to write laments from the Psalms. So I would say all the Psalms. And I heard someone the other day say, we need all 150 Psalms. Mm -hmm. And that is just so true with the praise and the lament. And I feel like my heart's up and down just with them. So learning to lament with the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And one of the things Tish Harrison Warren says is the Psalms are a tutor for how to pray. And that is just so, so true. I am finding that, that to be the case, learning how to pray those more often. They're so honest, you know, so, those Psalms, the, the gut level emotion, the anger, yeah. the sadness, yeah. they're mm -hmm. so honest. And I don't know, listeners, if you're aware of this, maybe you're kind of shocked, like, what are y'all talking about? The Bible has anger? Well, yes. In the Psalms, you will find the beautiful display of the psalmist really crying out through every emotion. Mm -hmm. And like Kim is saying, the gift in learning to lament is bringing our pain to God and acknowledging it, not trying to stuff it, not trying to put it under the rug and letting him just take it. And then ending the moment with realizing 
And again, I realize you are God and just finding comfort in him and all his amazing works and his faithfulness. As an Enneagram seven, uh -huh. we like to avoid pain. That's one of our things is avoiding pain at all costs. How has that played into this? I can reframe with the best of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's funny, that has been a big part of it, of trying to remember to sit in that and not just move on and not just, you know, oh, it's all going to be okay. It really, really has been trying to do that work of sitting in the the sad, mm -hmm. sitting in the, the pain and that we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where it's, how we're going to end here, but trusting Trusting the Lord at that same time that he knows and I don't. What types of conversations have you and Randy had with your kids about Parkinson's? Honestly, we really haven't had many lately. We're just dealing with teenagers and <laughs> young adults. Teenagers have issues? What? <laughs> I can't imagine. Anyway. <laughs> Even now, like one little thing about what I wanted all my kids there to be with me for surgery, be at waiting for me with the, at the hospital. And that one of my children had to miss something kind of big that week or that day. And he really didn't want to. And I was like, no, 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 we're here for each other. This is what we do. This is what family does. And again, like that guilt, that mom guilt of wanting mm -hmm. to move your date or do something else or make sure your kids are taken care of first. But I just had to remember that this is important that they learn this. Mm -hmm. I think it's important that kids learn how to help and learn how to pitch in. And not that we're all pitching in and we're all doing it perfectly, but but trying to see that it's okay that they have to sacrifice a little bit if I need something. Yeah, that's a good lesson. And just imagine all the things we can't see, how God is going to use that in their lives how God's going to use what my mom's journey is and mm -hmm. how my part of helping in any and all ways and their compassion that they will show and feel for other people because of the fact that their perspective, God's mm -hmm. going to use those things far beyond what we know. That's my prayer. Mm. Yeah. So, and we did just help the kids pretty early, even though they were young and they didn't really understand, you know, as much as we didn't really understand what was happening, but we do just keep our policy is just to keep everyone in every loop. Mm -hmm. We really just try to all share what's going on pretty regularly so we can all be aware and know how to love each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and them seeing your face through this and that it is a struggle and you have to lament and you have to sit in that pain, even though it's uncomfortable and mm -hmm. still trusting that God is for us is um, probably speaks volumes to them for when they have their issues or their own situations later on in life. I hope so. What is something you would like to tell our listeners today? We're about to, to wrap it up. And, and we are, we know that the listeners hearing far and wide are so touched by your faith and your story. What is something you want to say to them today before we close this conversation? To know the love of the Lord as, as much as, um, if you don't know how much Jesus loves you, then to 
to work through that. Ask the Lord to show you. Talk to a good friend. Talk to somebody and say, I'm, you know, I, when when things feel like I don't want them to, I don't feel close to the Lord. I kind of feel like this is where our faith is made real. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is how I know that I'm not just playing church. Mm-hmm. When the bottom falls out, he holds me up. He's there. And if he's not, if you're not feeling that, then explore that, you know, say, oh, wow, yikes, you know, um, and, and that's where we as the body can help each other, can stand in the gap, can try to hold and, and listen and be understanding for one another. Um, as yeah. the, I feel like that's how we love our neighbor. Mm-hmm. I'm I sorry. Think a lot of times when the bottom falls out, we think, God, what are you doing? I've been a faithful servant. Why is the bottom falling out? Why, why is this happening? When mm-hmm. instead, like you said, that's when our faith becomes real and we figure out if it is real. But it has been a big struggle of all the, I did all the right things. Sure. I, I did this, I did that. And that's that pros- prosperity gospel. Just, just that's false. That is that if I do, then you will. Mm-hmm. That is, that's what the Lord is taking away from me. That's what he's pulling out from under me saying, I am it. Mm-hmm. I am, I am enough. No matter what you've done, Kim, as well as you've done it. <laughs> you know, with people looking on doing it well, I am enough. So, and, and I love that it's his kindness that leads us to that repentance of saying, no, Kim, this is not how we're not doing this shallow thing. We're not doing this talking, you know, one way to one people, one group of people when you're with them, or you don't really need all those shiny things you think you need. <laughs> I am what's real. And I, I'm thankful he's knocked those idols or is knocking. I'm not going to say done it, but is knocking those idols away. You're just, you're just such a blessing to, to me, (laughs) to all of us listening today. You're just a gem and um, God is using you, Kim. And I I love you dearly. I love you, Robin. It was so nice to meet you, Jill. It was nice to meet you too. I love to meet fellow sevens. <laughs> well, may may God bless you and may he strengthen your faith and carry you and overflow your heart with hope, Kim, in every obstacle that you may find. And I pray that they are few and far between. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're so glad that you were here today to hear Afraid Not to hear Kim's precious story. We are so glad that you guys are joining us to start out this new year. And we hope that you continue to join us. We've got a lot of great things in the works coming up. Um, But we just really want to thank Kim again for coming and sharing her story and the difficulty of Parkinson's and dealing with that at such a young age. Something that Kim shared that resonated deeply with me is that she said, suffering is where my faith is made real. I, I really think that we are afraid to suffer. Our, our modern Christianity in America, we just tend to think about safety and comfort. And you know what? Sometimes it's not safe and sometimes it's not comfortable. 
And God's plans are good, whether or not it's safe, whether or not it's comfortable. I trust in God's plans. And, and Kim's faith helps me see that today and recognize that today. Her sharing that she wouldn't trade the intimacy with Jesus that she has gained through her suffering, even if he gave her the choice to take it away. I mean, that is just pure gold. What, what a genuine faith that is. And I think it is when the bottom falls out that we find what our faith really is and realize that he is enough and all of the little shiny things are not going to fulfill us. So we appreciate her being so honest and real about all that. Um, thank you again for joining us. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and uh, share with friends, share on social media. We are so excited for this coming year and what we have to offer, and we will see you again in two weeks. Have a great two weeks and happy new year. <laughs>